everyone, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be discussing our top five most relatable characters. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hey Kat. Hi Remy. How are you today? I'm doing okay. I think I'm getting sick, so I might sound kind of weird, but yeah, we'll see. It's not very good timing because I'm supposed to travel for Thanksgiving this week. I haven't been home for Thanksgiving in many years, so it was going to be a big deal. And now I'm worried it it might not happen, but Uh, we'll see. When are you supposed to leave? Wednesday. Ah, and that'll be Corey's new house? Correct. Mm -hmm. Very nice. That's exciting. I know. I hope it happens. Yeah. Hopefully it's just like a minor cold and you're not feeling too bad by the end of the, by the middle of the week. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for as well. I probably, I'm assuming this happened because I went to a concert a few days ago. Oh, fun. Um, I suspect that's the culprit. (laughs) Who did you go see? I saw Always at the Bowery Ballroom. It was a really good show. It was phenomenal. Very nice. Uh Yeah. You'd think that their lead vocalist is so good in studio that she couldn't possibly be as good in person, but she is. She's incredible. Yeah. I love a concert. I haven't been to Mm -hmm. a concert. I don't even know the last time I went to a concert. It was definitely before the pandemic. But yeah, this was my first post-pandemic concert as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been trying to... My friend who lives up in Minnesota, we, we've we always gone to concerts together ever since we were in, like, junior high. And That's fun. so we've bought tickets for a couple of concerts this year, and each one has had to be canceled, and I'm so oh, no. sad about it. The concert yeah. or your plan specifically? The concert That's got canceled. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, hopefully we'll get to go see a concert soon, though. Um, But yeah. Yeah, it was great. I went with a friend from work who I introduced to Always, and they really enjoyed it, and they let me know that the concert was happening, and we got tickets. We snapped up the tickets first thing, yeah. Ah, you're doing so many fun things. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to take advantage That's of awesome. my location. Yeah. Anything else that you did that was fun this week? Hmm. Well, you'll be proud of this, hopefully. I started editing um, the first draft of my book that I was putting off and dragging my feet doing, and I think it's going fine so far. It's not nearly as scary as I feared it would be. And I think, I think it, um, yeah, I just don't think it's going to be as bad as I was imagining. And it'll be, it'll be kind of fun because it's just, you know, now I just get infinite tries to make the whole thing better. Oh, for sure. (laughs) That's not so bad. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the hardest part is done and now it's, it's written and it's Mm -hmm. all there. And now you're just working within the set parameters that you've already created, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just got to clean it up and make sure it sounds good and make sure everything makes sense. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. How was your week? My week was good. I didn't do a lot. Um, I went to work and <laughs> I edited podcast 
And mm-hmm. I wasn't as late as I've been the past couple of weeks, so that was good. I edited mm-hmm. on time. And, yeah, I, I there's almost no updates. I'm very excited for Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving, I've got a little trip planned. So it's a lot of, like, just focusing on the next couple of weeks because mm-hmm. I'm going to Nashville for a few days with um, one of my local friends. Um, oh, fun. Yeah, so we're going to road trip to Nashville. Her partner's coming, and we're going to meet up with Scott when he's out there for a conference. Oh, no way. Yeah, so we're just going to have like a nice little long weekend, Thursday through Sunday, I think, and it'll be a nice little reset, and then Christmas will be here before we know it. Mm -hmm. Just ready for a little bit of decompression. Yeah, Yeah, I'm ready to mix things up. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it'll be great to see, I'm, I'm going home for Thanksgiving this week, so it'll be good to see my mom and my aunt, and um, yeah, it'll just be a really nice time, eat a lot of pie. Oh, I can't wait for the pie. If I miss out on pie, oh, I'm gonna be so mad. I love pie. Pie's my favorite part of Thanksgiving. Same. And my aunt makes a really good cranberry sauce. That Ooh. is my favorite thing. What's your favorite Thanksgiving pie? Um, my mom makes a really good apple cranberry pie. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And she puts vodka in her crusts, which makes Mm -hmm. it really, really flaky. Yeah. It's a good trick. I love it. Apple's probably my fave, Mm -hmm. but pumpkin pie, close second. Yeah. Um, I decided to pregame for Thanksgiving this year, and I ordered a, uh, pumpkin pie with my groceries to snack on this week oh i was really i was on the edge of my seat wondering if you meant pre-game pie wise or drink wise (laughs) pie Pie. (laughs) i'm very excited about it and also it's a vegetable so yeah there's got to be some nutrients in there somewhere yeah listen it's not (laughs) the worst thing you could eat (laughs) yeah so just looking forward to a lot of things very little happening in my life right now, but lots to look forward to. <laughs> oh, oh, one exciting thing that happened this week, though, was that I got yeah. Scott to watch an episode of Taskmaster. Did you? And he loved it. Fuck off. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so exciting. I was really nervous he would be like, these, this is I don't stupid. know what these people are thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I was scared, too. <laughs> the other night, we were watching a documentary, and he was like, listen, if you watch this episode of documentary, I'll watch an episode of Taskmaster with you. And I was oh, like, deal. that's a good deal. <laughs> I like this deal. I'm dying to know which episodes you showed him. We started on a series four again. Okay. Just because he knows Noel and Mel. Wonderful. And so he was very much enjoying it, so... Yeah. That's a great entry point. Yeah. Because you're almost done with Series 9 right now. I am, and it <gasps> is a favorite of mine. What a great series. Ed Gamble makes me so anxious. He just I know. gives me so much anxiety. And I love Rose Matafeo. She's incredible. She's so good. I loved her. Isn't she the yeah. best? Her mind works in a, a very good way. I like her mind. Uh, she's wonderful. All right. Should we get into it? I suppose so. (laughs) I'm really excited about your list. Yeah. I forget who's meant to go first. Um? I guess while you're doing that, I can explain that we're doing, you know, a special episode format this 
episode where Kat and I will go back and forth and talk about our top five most relatable characters. So characters across any type of media that we thought really struck a chord with us and that we really felt seen by them. Okay, I think you went first with the Pillow Man last time. Okay, that's Remy. First in with the Pillow Man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I suppose I can go first. What are you drinking? I am drinking my fall drink of choice, which is warm apple cider, rum, and a little bit of ginger beer on top. It looks lovely. It tastes lovely. I bet it does. What kind of rum do you go for? I really like Kraken. Kraken mm, has been my That's go-to. a dark rum, right? Yeah, dark spiced. I like it better than Cap. Oh, I don't usually go for a spiced rum, but I do like some darker rums. Yeah. Kraken, I just really like Kraken because they started using that in their seasonal drinks at the Vine. Um, which is like this dive bar that I really like. And I forgot about that spot. They make a really good eggnog drink with the Kraken rum. And so it's been like my go-to ever since. Hmm, fun. Yeah. Yeah, they also changed my mind on eggnog. So yeah, it's not big on before, but I like eggnog now and I make it myself. My mind still needs to be changed on that, but Ah. I'm I'm open to it happening. I've never had yours, so. I will, well, last year was the first time we made it, Mm -hmm. and no one got ill, so. (laughs) It's it's scary, because it's got eggs in it, and I was like, what if everyone gets sick? It's heated, though, right? It depends on the way that you make it. Oh, and this, the alcohol takes care of all of that? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. But it turned out super good, and we had a lot of fun making it, so I think we're going to make it again this year. Cool. Yeah. We served it at brunch, our New Year's brunch. New Year's brunch. That sounds fun. Almost every day this past week, I got home and I was like, I want to go over to Kat's house. Oh. <laughs> I want to go hang out with Kat. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I want you to come over and hang out. It was a really good week this week for like an end of the season fire. Yeah. Like one of the last fires of the year, but I didn't get to have one. It's cold as shit here right now. It's very cold and very windy. I know. I left my work building today, and so I was walking between very tall buildings, Mm -hmm. which caused just an intensity channel for the wind. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you ever get this. I think I told you about this, but Will makes fun of me for it all the time. When it is really, really windy outside, I can't get air into my lungs. Yes, It's, like, impossible to breathe, and then I I get, like, a panicking sensation because I can't take air in, and that happened to me today. I was like, wow, we're back to this again? I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like your head's stuck out of a window. Yeah. I was literally just talking with Scott about that today because he lives on the East Coast as well, and it's really, really windy by him. And he was like, I can't breathe good. (laughs) I was like... Okay, so it's not just me. So it happens to other people. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what Will is doing that makes I think him he, able to breathe. He's insinuating that my lungs are probably like one-fifth the capacity of his and therefore just are not powerful enough to breathe in the wind. <laughs> okay. Okay, sorry. Uh, we'll jump in. Sidetrack city. So my number five is Rocky from Project Hail Mary. 
Wonderful. Um, I, I was really... on the edge of my seat about which Rocky it was about to be. <laughs> I also box, but not... Can you imagine? Especially because was... you just primed me with the raw egg consumption Oh talk. my gosh, yes. No, um, Rocky from Project Hail Mary. Wonderful. I think he's a good friend, and I think I'm a good friend, and I think he's a super dependable companion, and he will watch you sleep. And expect the same when he sleeps. Um, And I just think that he'll take a chance on anyone. So he sees this big old ship in space and is like, listen, this thing could try to kill me. But also Mm -hmm. it could be a friend. And could be a friend. I feel like that's my take on interacting with new people and why I try to be friendly to everyone that I meet. Yeah, you definitely give people a huge benefit of of the doubt yeah when you meet them which is yeah. very nice and you're definitely a very good friend oh <laughs> so i just really liked rocky and i found him really relatable he also had like a good sense of humor yeah <laughs> oh a good boy he was great and he was really selfless too and you're also like that <laughs> wonderful i had a really hard time with this list And so I feel a little underprepared with my bullet points, but hopefully my relatable characters are relatable to other people too. Yeah, that's no problem. I will also say I had an easy time with this list, but also that's because I like broadened it immediately to Mm -hmm. characters that I have felt were very relatable at specific times in my life which might not necessarily be true anymore but I remember being like struck by how much I related to them at the time so they're not all concurrently in that same in that same space for me but these are people I related to across the course of my life and I'll probably explain you know like when and why that was with each of them but there again a trend emerged in my top five lists and I I am excited to see if you can identify it I'm so excited (laughs) oh boy okay you ready for my number five most relatable character yes tell me your number five Remy my number five is Will Navidson from House of Leaves which is being brought up for like the third pod in a row I think (laughs) um he he's the photojournalist slash documentarian at the heart of the main plot of the book House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski. And when I first read House of Leaves when I was in college, I and like subsequently when I reread it again during my early 20s, when I was like committing to the career track that I was getting into, I found Will's character really relatable for a number of reasons. One of them was his sort of insatiable drive and curiosity mm-hmm. and his desire to document and understand the curious things around him. That's something that I really related to. I think that mentality is a lot of the reasons why I got into the research career that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. Um, And one of the things that also stuck out to me about his character was how he sort of allowed that curiosity, but also the dedication to his work to 
consume him in a way, even when that put him at odds with his family. And that's also something that I have experienced as well. But I also, in in the same turn, while it, it can cause you to have those types of interpersonal struggles, I also related to him when he sort of agreed to settle down and get this house and then immediately became... <laughs> averse to, you know, domesticity. (laughs) Because I know I'm the exact same way. And I could never uh, go from, you know, having an exciting and really fulfilling career to be like housebound like that. Mm -hmm. And I found that highly relatable. So that sort of ambition and drive and curiosity and desire to make things and understand things all really struck a note with me when I mm-hmm. read those that book back in my early 20s. Yeah. Oh, that really fits. <laughs> I think you would go absolutely nuts if you were just like cooped up in a house in the middle oh, of nowhere. Oh, big time. <laughs> and it wasn't your, your doing for like a week-long vacation or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My number four is a character that I really related to um, throughout my college years. So it is Jess from New Girl. And most of that, like, sense of relatedness to that character came from her dynamics with her roommates in that show and her friends in that show. My group of friends resembled the group of roommates that she lived with. And I, it was just very interesting to be watching the show at the time that I was going through a lot of like interpersonal um, challenges within that friend group and just like dealing with the like everyday struggles of being friends with a group of four guys that are very different from one another. And uh, I think the things that I related to most about that character was that she was very emotionally vulnerable with people and willing to like not have a wall up, which I feel like I have the same experience. And I think that that has gone away some in more recent years, but I like aspire to be an open and expressive person. And I think that it reminds me of a skill that, that I value in people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that she's optimistic to a fault at times and, I think that optimism is always a good trait in people as long as it's realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like an avoidant behavior to be optimistic, if that makes sense. And I really liked that she also portrayed this person who was still going through a lot of growing up. And she was like approaching 30. And even looking back on that now, like I'm not the full grown up that I thought I would be. And I'm 26. And... 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh yeah, 26 year old Kat is going to have her life together. And I've hit certain milestones, but I still feel like I'm not that full grown up. And I think that that show was the first that I'd really seen of people who were portraying adults still dealing with like the struggles of growing up. And I thought that that was really important for me to see as a college student and something that I majorly related to and still do. Yeah, I think you're completely right. And people's personalities aren't solidified nearly as much as they might think they will be in their late 20s. And they probably are in flux, you know, perpetually over Mm -hmm. a cycle of 
however many years. So yeah, I agree. I think that's a really important thing for a media to portray that mm-hmm. you don't have to be like a certain way by the time you're 25 and expect to be that way forever. I love it when shows show growth at any age and change at any age. I think that's an extremely healthy viewpoint. Yeah. What was your number four? My number four is a character that I really related to a lot while I was in graduate school. Mm. It's the character of John Lakeman slash John Tavner from the Amazon original series, Patriot. Uh, He's the main character of that series, uh, played by Michael Dorman. And in that series, he is an intelligence asset who is trying to complete his responsibilities for the U.S. government while also holding down a real-life job that acts as his cover uh, for those asset responsibilities. And so he's basically working two extremely demanding full-time jobs. (laughs) And that's kind of exactly what graduate school felt like to me. Mm -hmm. And something about watching this character in that show, the way Michael Dorman plays this character, he just hits that note of just ever-increasingly burdened and beleaguered almost despair that you feel Mm. frequently in graduate school, in my experience. And you just watch him just be completely burdened by all of these like ever increasingly precarious responsibilities that just keep getting foisted on him. Mm -hmm. And he's just trying to do his best and slog through all of them all the while knowing that he doesn't even want to be in this line of work anymore and he just wants to quit and be a folk singer (laughs) and I just found that so relatable because I thought about quitting all the time you and I Kat discussed what we would do (laughs) if we quit and all of our uh like parallel lives careers that we would have and I just there's something about that character that I don't know. I don't know if it's how good of an actor Michael Dorman is or how excellently that series was directed, but that exhaustion and, like, bone tiredness that Mm -hmm. they show in that character really struck a chord with me. And so it's a great series. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. That's been on my list to watch for a really long time now. It's so good. It's only two seasons. He also has a really fun relationship with his brother in the show, which I also really appreciate because you can tell when they talk about their childhood and like getting up to hijinks and just doing just fun kid stuff. That reminds me a lot of my relationship with Corey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I also found that really relatable. Oh, I love that. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he also becomes emotionally dependent on a dog, which I also found incredibly sweet and tender and relatable. I can't wait for you to get a dog someday. Me too. My number three spot um, is Mackenzie McHale from The Newsroom. Oh, (laughs) fuck, I love that show. 
When I was watching it initially, I found that I had so much secondhand embarrassment about the way Mackenzie would handle situations. Mm. And uh, I think that's just because I relate to her a lot. I love that she meddles. I think it's endearing. She is constantly trying to set up her um, producer, Jim, with this other producer who works in the newsroom. I think that that is very on brand for me. I also love that she constantly is sticking her foot in her mouth with different things. Like she just (laughs) doesn't always navigate things in the best way. And uh, one prime example of this is when she accidentally sends the mass email out to the entire company. (laughs) (laughs) A nightmare. (laughs) And in a pure panic, she slaps someone's phone out of their hand and then smashes it to pieces (laughs) so that they don't check their email. And I Mm -hmm. loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I also think that, joking aside, she reads people really well, especially like interpersonal dynamics with the people that she is um, with the people that work for her. And I think that that's something that I related to. I think that in the show, they kind of portray her as being able to like read the room really well and pick up on individual emotional states and use that information to either provide advice or, um, form stronger bonds with people. And that was something that I related to. I also really enjoyed her friendship with Sloan. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was really lovely. I also loved that she like didn't understand math and I related <laughs> to that. And Sloan trying to explain math to her feels um, similar to some interactions I've had about math. Yeah, I just thought she was a a good, a well-written character with a lot of qualities that I related to. That's really funny. You specifically brought up her relationship relationship with Sloane because I found Sloane to be a really relatable character on that show, <laughs> uh, which was why she was one of my favorites. I love Sloane. That's why we're such good friends. Yeah, but yeah, that's all I have on my number three. My number three is Rue Bennett, as played by Zendaya from Euphoria. And I find her really relatable for a very specific reason. I know the most salient feature of her character for most people, because it's portioned the most storyline, is her struggle with substance use disorder, which um, I can't really speak to that aspect of her character. But another really important portion of her character that informs that storyline is her struggles with grief um, in response to the death of her father when she was like I think in middle school or high school. That sort of informs a lot of her uh, decisions and emotional states throughout the entire series and I really relate to all of the different portions throughout the first and second season. Um, At the time of this recording, there's been two seasons of that show released so far. And scattered throughout both of those seasons, you see 
different parts of flashbacks that Rue has to the time spent when, like, right after her father has passed away and when she is attending the memorial service and uh, speaking with her friends at the memorial service. And all of those scenes I found extremely, extremely relatable because I also lost my dad at that time in my life. And it's like, it's just a very specific time to lose someone because you're so dynamic as a person when you're a teenager. And so there's something about not being fully formed and going through something like that that they capture extremely well in that show. Every time they show... Rue Bennett's character dealing with that very specific type of grief, I find it exceptionally accurate. And so that's one of the reasons why I find that character just extremely relatable and just really valuable because I've never seen that specific feeling portrayed so deeply accurately before in any piece of media. And that's one of the reasons why that show is actually like extremely special to me. Yeah. Yeah, I would say of special note, there is a few scenes where they flash back to Rue giving a, a short speech at the memorial service. And I would say that entire speech is just devastating to watch because it's so true and just so good and so well done. And yeah, I don't know. I I can't say, I can't even describe how important that part of that show is to me. I'm really happy it exists. Yeah, I think that being able to see your experience through the lens of another character's experience can be really valuable. And to, I think that it's really valuable for people to be able to process their own emotions through the lens of another character, because sometimes it can be really hard to do on your own. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to say with that, but... No, that made sense to me. And, like, profound grief is such a multifaceted emotion, and just to have the language to describe even a portion of it that that character, you know, offers to people, it's extremely valuable to be, like, the things she is saying right now I agree with them profoundly. Like, that is a, what a feeling to be understood. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next pick is also a more vulnerable pick, so that's timed well. Perfect. Um, so I have been really enjoying the song Matilda, which is a Harry style song on Harry's house, um, which is his most recent album at the time of recording this. And I listened to this song a couple of months ago, and I've been wanting to talk about the album as a whole, but didn't really know how to, like, boil down the emotions that that whole album kind of made me feel. But this is a standout song from that album, and it talks about the experiences of a girl named Matilda and her childhood. So I have talked... In the past, on the podcast about how I was raised by a single mom, and she did an awesome job 
raising me and I've always been more or less estranged from my father's side of the family. Um, but my relationship with my father himself has always been like a very confusing part of my life. And, um, so there's always been like cycles of contact from him and no contact and like really long stretches of no contact, like years. And then all of a sudden contact again, which I've always struggled with and, um, is a topic that I talk about a lot in therapy. Um, this desire to like end that cycle and end that, um, contact and make that no longer an option, which is something that I have a really hard time doing as a people pleaser. And that's just something that I've always struggled with. And this song, I cried the first time I heard it and like really processed the lyrics because there is a section of the song um, that says, you can let it go. You can throw a party full of everyone you know and not invite your family because they never showed you love. And you don't have to be sorry for leaving and growing up. And um, I have, uh, I got married in 2021 and did not invite my dad or um, anyone on that side of my family. And that's always something that I knew hurt my dad. And I didn't have that many complicated emotions about it until he, um, was hospitalized and that was a really hard time. And so like that lyric really spoke to me. That whole song really spoke to me of like saying just being family doesn't mean that you owe this person a relationship just because you're family. It does not mean that you owe this person an invite to the most important day of your life. It is not about them. And they didn't put in the necessary work to deserve that relationship and um, not feeling sorry for that is something that I have struggled with and that just like really spoke to the inner child in me of like, this is a part of you that hasn't healed and it might not ever be fully healed, but like you can let that go and you can just live your Mm -hmm. life and grow up and not have to worry about it anymore. And I am very blessed to have a whole side of my family who loves me and was just always there for me and uh, took on all of the necessary roles of a full family and really lucky to have my mom. And I just think that that song made me feel the gratitude for the side of the family that I do have and the family that I chose to keep in my life. Mm-hmm. That's very nice. I loved that lyric that you mm-hmm. read. That was wonderful. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, and I I think that's a sentiment that maybe isn't talked about enough in a lot of the media that I've seen. That you you aren't automatically indebted to your family, and you're allowed to make choices based on people's actions. Yeah. you don't have to feel. Like you're in some type of blood oath that you didn't agree to. Yeah. yeah. So don't invite your dad to your wedding if you don't want him there. Mm-hmm. You don't need him. If Invite your friend Remy. Yeah. Walk down the aisle by your damn self. That's what I did. <laughs> yes. Me too. Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Remember when... Oh, no. Remember when I disinvited all of my family to my wedding? <laughs> 
that was for COVID reasons. Yeah. <laughs> it was safety. Yeah. You were there, I though. know. We both you let me come. Weddings. That was so fun. I loved it. Because I peer pressured you. I was like, still have the wedding. <laughs> oh, my God. Kat, do you realize I don't think we would have gotten married if you and I hadn't talked about it at work that oh. week? Because we had planned to have a very small immediate family-only wedding even before COVID mm-hmm. happened. And it just happened to be planned for July 2020. And then when COVID did happen, we were like, well, maybe we can still pull it off. It's just a handful of people. Maybe it'll be okay. But then when things got really bad, we ended up canceling it. And so Will and I were like, well, I guess we'll wait, you know, an unknown number of years mm-hmm. to get married now, I suppose. And we weren't really happy with that, but then I talked to you at work, and we kind of just, you know, you threw out the idea of, like, well, maybe you could just do it anyway, <laughs> and it could just be just be us friends. And I was like, you know what? I can. Can't I? <laughs> that was so fun, <laughs> So then too. we, like, r- r- uncalled off the wedding and just subbed everyone out for people in, like, our immediate sphere. Yeah. And we were uh, like, yeah, we can, we can fucking do it. Yeah, it was so good. And we, like, made one of our friends get, like, ordained, whatever they call that. <laughs> yes. Online ordained uh, to be so the officiant. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Oh, my gosh. What a fun wedding, though. I know. Out in that park. It was time. beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I got married a year later. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I was a bridesmaid. Yeah. Look we at us. We still need COVID be okay. Mm-hmm. What was your number? No, your number two. Sorry. My number two. Oh, baby. It's one for the history books. This one is really important to me because it's one of the first times, I think it's the very first time I was watching something and I was like, this character understands me completely. <laughs> and I had never experienced that before mm-hmm. in any media. And it is <laughs> the character Rust Cole. <laughs> From the first oh season of True God. Detective, as portrayed by Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so I was probably 22 or 23 when the first season of True Detective came out, and I like borrowed my friend's HBO. Well, I was house-sitting for a friend that had HBO, and I watched it on their account, and... I just could not believe that a person on TV, a character on TV, was saying all of the things that I was thinking all of the time. (laughs) Oh, I love him. Yeah. I just, especially at that time in my life, I just related extremely heavily to that overall, overall concept of just profound cosmic pessimism and disdain for the human species. <laughs> oh my god. Fair. And just like a general a general lack of faith in humanity. Yeah. We did not have to worry about having overlap here. Yeah, I know. As soon as you said that optimism <laughs> about Jess, I was like, oh boy. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um yeah, just basically all of his philosophies I really related to. I loved it when he said he was bad at parties. I really related to that. <laughs> I I actually also 
I liked that there was an added layer of complexity to his character because while he had these deeply held beliefs about a lack of faith in humanity and a pessimism about the world and the universe at large, he did still dedicate his time and his life to still trying to do something good with his time on this planet. Mm -hmm. And that is something I relate to because while I do have not a lot of hope for humanity, I do still want to do my damnedest to try to help us. And so that... That sentiment in the face of futility, I also really related to. Aww. And also, we both have synesthesia. I was like, man, Russ Cole. Wow. <laughs> We're one and the same. It was based on you. It was based on me. Nick Pizzolatto. He based it on me. I love that. God, I love that show. My number one. Do, 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 do. Um, it's Steve Harrington. Fuck off. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So, I love Steve <gasps> Harrington. Wow. He is... An absolute mom friend, which I relate to. He is always trying to give good advice to people, and they don't listen, and they insist on fighting the Demogorgons all by themselves. He is a constant voice of reason, and he is averse to general chaos that comes with children. (laughs) I would absolutely get my ass handed to me in a fight. (laughs) That's that. Um, when I do my hair, I've got pretty good hair. And he's a romantic, which I relate to. I'm very idealistic about romance. Hmm. I found him relatable. And I love that he's a little lovably dumb because I feel that way all the time. <laughs> and I just, I think he's a good character and a good person. And I don't know. That's my list. <laughs> Wonderful. I love Steve Harrington. I can't believe he is now placed at the top of our respective top fives oh, more yes. than once now. I forgot that he was your number one on yeah. the supporting character. The supporting character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I am a good supporting character. <laughs> I'm very supportive. You are very supportive. <laughs> I love it. And I think I would also, I would do well with children. Um, yeah. I would do well at wrangling them. I feel like in an emergency situation. So Mm -hmm. I think my daycare working days have set me up very well to Uh, handle chaotic children. I don't know. I just, him constantly being like, that's a bad idea. We're not going to do that is something that I relate to a lot. That surprised me. I really thought, I definitely thought Jess from New Girl was going to be your number one. Oh, really? I yeah, think so, I think it's but... just that I haven't related to her as much recently. I think it's lately, yeah. That I I've been dealing with a lot of burnout and my optimism and like goofy nature don't feel like they've been coming out to play as much. So mm-hmm. I just wasn't I wasn't feeling it as strongly as I normally do. That's fair. Yeah, that definitely leads into my number one then. Oh, very <laughs> exciting. My number one most relatable character of all time is the entirety of Bo Burnham's persona in Inside. <laughs> I knew that this was going to come up. I was yes. I thought maybe he was going to be your honorable mention because you said it no. was like not a character. Yes, I do admit this is not 
a okay, character, a character in the traditional yeah. sense. It's a role, though. Yeah, for sure. And I just have... It is the single most relatable piece of media to me at this <laughs> point in time in my life. Hands down. I haven't covered it on the show before because it's too important to me for that reason. And just wall-to-wall everything about it I found <laughs> extremely relatable. <laughs> just, it's... I can't even describe the extent of mm-hmm. it. Just believe me when I say it's the entire thing. <laughs> like, all of the the anxiety, mm-hmm. the despair, the wanting to know how to be happy. Mm-hmm. I, you know, improvise songs to myself all the time about mm-hmm. wishing I knew how to be happy. Yeah. Oh, it's just what I do while I get ready in the morning. I'll sing myself a little song about what I wish my life was like. <laughs> I love that. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I do a lot of self-narration. I love that. <laughs> in the form of song. Yeah. You would relate um, to Jess from New Girl. <laughs> Ah, okay. It's a lot more optimistic. Mm, no, <laughs> yes, this is deeply pessimistic again. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just everything about mm-hmm. it. I felt that film is so important to me because it made me feel like in one of the most tumultuous times in my life mm-hmm. that there is at least one person on this entire planet that knew exactly how I felt because they committed it to film. And I was like, there I fucking am. Mm-hmm. That's me. Yeah. Someone fucking understands what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. That is the best gift you could ever possibly give a person mm-hmm. as a creator. That is phenomenal. And yeah, I don't know. I can't even explain how important that is. I just felt completely understood Mm -hmm. by that film and it is deeply important to me and yeah I'd say one of the that's why it makes me so happy Mm -hmm. too even when it's deeply pessimistic and fraught with despair and anxiety Mm -hmm. it still makes me so happy because I know at least one other person feels that same way and has the same like the same complaints and fears and anxieties one of the highlights for sure is the song about turning 30 because I turned 30 a scant two months mm-hmm. after Bo Burnham did. We're almost the exact same age. And so we both turned 30 in the midst of the pandemic in 2020 during one of the most volatile periods in American history. Mm-hmm. And fuck, what a time <laughs> to... To be going through an existential crisis like that. Yeah. Yeah. My stupid friends are having stupid children. All of it's true. Every single word of it. (laughs) Uh, Just ruminations about the world mm -hmm. and consumerism and the nature of creating media Mm -hmm. and all of those things. Uh, It just really struck a chord. And uh, I don't know if it'll be relatable forever, but it is certainly extremely relatable to me at this time in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, There's this one part toward the end of Inside Mm -hmm. where Bo Burnham, he's wearing a headlamp and he's just speaking into the microphone about how he can't finish the film (laughs) because he can never finish because then he'll have to be done. Yeah. 
And I remember watching that while I was writing my thesis after years and years of graduate school and being like, I can't finish it. I can't finish my thesis because then I'll have to finish my thesis. And I was like, this is exactly how I fucking feel. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, that's my number one. Yeah. Well, you got any HMs? Any honorable oh, mentions? Um, God, what was I going to say? Ah, yes. I have one honorable mention. It is Yaskier from The Witcher TV show. He's oh, the, bard. the bard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I really can never learn his name. <laughs> I relate to his need to make a joke out of very serious situations. I feel that there's this one scene where he is for, he's in jail and he befriends some mice in his jail cell and he's oh. singing with them and he's yeah. giving them notes of like your harmonies were a little pitchy and like <laughs> talking to the talking to the mice oh, no. and I relate to it. I thought it was very cute. <laughs> you reminded me of another honorable mention oh. just now that I want to include. Which is the character Serpico from the film Serpico. I don't know what that film is or who that character it's is. It's an older film. You, I won't explain the whole thing, but basically I relate to that character because it's a very distinct feeling losing... It's a very distinct feeling losing faith in a system while you're still trapped inside of that system. Uh-huh. And also... He has a mouse friend that he keeps in his pocket. Ideal. Ideal. Oh, my God. I want a rat friend that I keep in my pocket. I do. I would prefer a full-sized rat, but, yes. Uh, mice will do in a pinch. Yeah. Also, another honorable mention is that episode of Reply All with the no-burp lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know she's a real person and not a character. <laughs> But I found her really relatable because I also can't burp. Oh my gosh. So I really enjoyed that episode. I love that episode. And it's so fitting because I was just listening to Reply All today. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. I think that episode went better than I thought it was going to go. I didn't know what I was going <laughs> to say going in. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com, and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice, and we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.